Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. We are two guys, one It is Monday, January the 15th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. Everyone relax. I am Will Anderson. And I am Charlie Clawson, and we are back across all platforms uh, after a, a brief hiatus, a flirtation with being exclusive. We're now back broadly to the general public. How does it feel, Will? All back in the same place. So for people who've never heard this before, maybe you've just automatically rolled into this episode because you were listening to something else on the Everyone Relax feed or you just were one of those people who decided it was too hard to download a free app for the last couple of years when we were on Listener because I know you're out there. I know you exist. We know they exist. (laughs) Yeah, you're quite vocal. You're pretty good at taking the time to let us know that you're not happy about it. The time it it took you to write Um, that angry email, you could have signed up for a free app. But anyway, let's move on. Yeah, no, it's fine. But I do, I, I love that sometimes. I saw when we announced that everything was going to be in the one feed, there was someone who was mad about the fact that it was in the one feed. And all I could think in my head was, in the time it took you to leave that comment, you could have just flicked to the episode you were looking for. <laughs> you know? <laughs> They're all in the one feed. You can just flick past the ones you don't want to listen to. Uh, the idea – anyway, we're not going to start with – I. this is our um, AFL-adjacent podcast. So uh, during the year, we like to talk about AFL football. Charlie and I both like AFL football. We started this show in 2016. And the reason it is called Two Guys, One Cup – is that uh, in the year 2016, uh, both of our teams, St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs, had each won only one Premiership Cup in the entire time of their existence. And part of what bonded Charlie and I as friends, one of the initial things that bonded us as adult friends was the fact that we both barracked for football teams that had been historically unsuccessful teams. Mm. And we didn't have the exact same experience. What we had was Charlie's team had played in a bunch of grand finals but lost them in his lifetime Mm. and my team had never played in a grand final in my lifetime and often we would speculate around the idea of... What's more painful? Who had it worse? Yeah, Yeah, what is, like, is it it worse to have not seen your team play in the grand final at all or is it worse to have, you know, seen them play in the grand final, get all your hopes up and then have them dash. It turns out there's a third option that's even more painful (laughs) than that is that you start a podcast which is predominantly about you and your friend commiserating about your teams being shit and then in that first year of doing the podcast, your friend's team wins uh, its second flag. Yeah. Like, I mean, the name was out of date by the end of the first season of us doing the show. We are so, very good anyway, at making podcasts, very bad at naming them. That's That one thing is clear. I mean, we're very good at naming our podcast in confusing ways <laughs> that we have to spend a lot of time telling the backstory of why it's called that in the first place. But everyone relax. Everything is now in the one feed. And so if you're dipping in here for the first time, we super appreciate it. Yep. So uh, we talk about AFL football, but we also talk around AFL football. We are... Not experts at all when it comes to even our own teams. Mm. 
we're not complete experts in. We are passionate fans, but I think the thing that we both share is that we both support our teams and love our teams, but we're not necessarily team-first lovers of the game of Australian rules football. We are lovers of the sport mm. of Australian rules football. There are some people, I think, who only follow their own team. Yeah. They only are happy if their team is doing well. They are unhappy if their team is doing badly. I mean, we are those I things think, as well. I think, but, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of like 70% that, then 30% yeah. general interest in football. But I think it's not just what happens on the field. I think our interest in football extends into the football landscape, football media, footy admin, because there's so many great stories yes. and personalities that come out of that. And as we've been doing this show, I think we've discovered – more and more of these kind of things, these little sort of niche points of interest that we like. Yeah, we're not necessarily going to be talking about footy, but we will be talking about the people who are talking about <laughs> footy. That's what we do. <laughs> so last year, like this is – we say it every year, but like, like, the, like the season ends, the pies and the flag. I was even at the grand yes. final in person. But now, you know, three to four months clear of that, I – feel like I've forgotten everything that's happened. Mm -hmm. Like I've even done the thing of watching some St Kilda replays, just some like highlights of matches and stuff, games that I remember enjoying and just being like, this could have happened five years ago. Like I know I wouldn't know. I would have forgotten all the details. There's certain things that I kind of remember. But in the broader sense of like, you know, if you sort of had to kind of ask me who's the coach of Richmond, it would take me a, a, like a, a, a second to think about it because I know there's a new one. Mm. There he is. Yeah. Is it Adam Uze? Yes. Because <laughs> I put oh, it up good. before I came on because I thought it might come up. I would be – I would have been equally as unsurprised if you'd said no yeah. to my question there because I was really out on a limb speculating about who it might be. So we rarely get to do this because we normally have started the show closer to the football season. Mm. But we talk about the story of the season. One of the things that we love to do is – try and define or capture or understand what the narrative of a particular season is, what the storylines are, mm. that the games are played so that we can have these storylines around the teams and the coaches and the players and the narratives, the broader football story is what we enjoy. So we rarely do an episode where we look back on the previous season. If you look back on Collingwood winning their premiership, mm. like what is – in re in retrospect, what was the story of the 2023 AFL season? What was the story of it? That's um, no. I guess – well, look, I think the overarching storyline is Collingwood finally fulfil what seemed like predestined. Nick Dacos, I think the coronation of Nick Dacos as the, the best player in the competition is almost complete. Like I don't know if I mentioned this in the live pod we did, but that was the first time I've seen Nick Dacos play – live and I had the same feeling watching him play live that I had when I saw Chris Judd in the 2005 grand final which coincidentally was the first time I saw mm. Chris Judd live and it's like oh this guy like this is he plays football completely different no. to everyone else like no one's catching it's him. that real sort of mate you think they're good on the record you should hear them live yeah. <laughs> like you've got to almost see it in person to fully appreciate it and the funny thing about last season of course was there was this storyline for people who weren't paying attention that Nick Dacos is young mm. gun you know, second-year player, had this incredible season, would have won the Brownlow medal for best player in the competition, but he got injured uh, with a few weeks to go in the, in the season. Incredible, uh, you know, come back to play in the finals and to play really well in the finals. Yeah. It was a really great storyline for his entire season. He did not win the Collingwood Best and Ferris. Did you know <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, just won it. 
Uh, Dacos won it. Yeah. His brother beat him. Like this, this incredible storyline of this gun, you know, second year player who should have won the Brownlow other than injury, came back from that injury to dominate during the finals, could have been the Norm Smith medalist for best player in the grand final, like played an absolute corker of a game, mm. doesn't even win the Collingwood best of Ferris because he gets beaten by his brother. Yeah. But don't you think there's an element to that of like, you know how sometimes they'll give an Oscar to someone not for the best performance, but it's like a legacy Oscar. Yeah. You've done a lot of good performances, so here's your Oscar. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think there's a danger of everyone saying, well, Nick Dacos, he's going to win a ton of Brownlows. Nick Dacos yeah. is going to win a ton of BNFs, that they keep putting their votes elsewhere and then he finishes his career with no accolades? Is that possible? I mean, it'd be weird if they just like <laughs> neg him out of all major awards <laughs> yeah. because no, it does babies. feel like... He is already being held to a ridiculous standard <laughs> by the people who are assessing the game. But maybe it's what you're saying is there is this expectation that – and you can never know, but there's this expectation that if he can continue to be fit and, you know, develop as a player that he might be one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. And so maybe there is that thing of going, it's going to be tough for Josh over the next yeah, few years. Yeah, give him one now. Like – Let's yeah. This is the time. They're about you know because we're not going to. They were almost yeah. even now. Like Nick is definitely yeah. in front, but they're almost even now. So it's not going to raise as many eyebrows as we give it to him now. But once like Nick is yeah. the Michael Jordan of the AFL, it's going to be a bit harder to swing that one. I remember there was a year when like at St Kilda when we had like you know a great list of Revolt, Hayes, Del Santo, and. Um, Stevie Baker won our best and fairest one year, and mm. that definitely felt like, uh, look, these guys are going to be fine. They're going to get plenty of awards. Hall of Famers for sure. Let's give Stevie Baker a little something right now. Yeah, I, I don't actually mind that. I don't mind when a club, you know, sometimes at the end of the season, and I would just would not be able to name any of them now because – you know, who remembers who won the best, best and fairest at clubs apart from the fact that I remember that Josh Dacos made Nick Dacos. <laughs> but you do see it occasionally at the end of the season where because all the best and fairest aren't on the same night, you know, the grand finals played on the same day, you know, the Brownlow medal is announced or the MVP, they're all on the same night. Mm. But the way the club best and fairest work is they're awarded at different times. So the results kind of just dribble out there's no day when it's like here are all the best and fairest and occasionally you'll just be like hang on did you just say that harris andrews won the brisbane lions (laughs) did he but like is that true yeah oh what (laughs) yeah so not the brownlow medalist so lucky neil didn't make the all australian all win his own club's best and fairest but he's the best player in the competition yeah that's fucking so dumb (laughs) it is like it's incredible when you see ones like that. Did I and ever, I do – there is a part of me that I, I like that. I ever tell you I had this – I think it was my last year of playing club football. Mm. I used to play schoolboy football but I also played for a club. And I had yes. this uh, coach in my under-16s who – I don't know. He just he, – he took it – much like uh, Scott West felt that Luke Beveridge was doing with Riley West. Uh, the, uh, there was there were suspicions as this coach, you know, I was not in his good graces – and uh-huh. I was suspicious of this all year just because I was played off the bench a lot. But it was confirmed in our, uh, our pie night best and fairest where they pulled out the big whiteboard and they went through round by round and everyone got a vote. And I think there was like 10 votes handed out, spread out over, you know, the players per game. And I watched over the 15 games we played for the season, everyone got at least one vote. Like even 
the worst player who played in the back pocket for a quarter got one vote. But I just watched my column stay empty. It was humiliating. The pies never tasted quite so bitter as that night, Will, where... Did you get any None. Votes? I was the only player to not poll a vote, and I played every game. <laughs> I mean, it at the very vindictive. least, they should have... It, that feels personal. Yeah. Like they've identified you and they've said he's – like that That feels real, you know, no homers club and they've let in another homer but it's no homers. Like you – it felt like they were personally targeting you in that situation. I think it came down to the fact that I had a – because I have slight scoliosis in my back which was giving me some trouble uh. as a 16-year-old and mum had taken me to all these specialists and they'd put me in this kind of back brace and – yeah. She was kind of annoyed that she'd spent all this money on specialists and stuff and I was going out and playing footy and then complaining about a bad back. And so she had a word to the coach and I think something along the lines of like, look, you know, my poor little boy, my poor little fragile China doll yeah. boy, like can you make sure he doesn't get hurt too much? And so my coach decided oh my that I'm a mummy's boy and he's going to make an example yes. of me. I mean, your mum is trying to do the right thing. Yeah, You know, she's protecting you from like, childhood pain and maybe future pain. I mean, she understands I think she was just more annoyed at the expenditure she'd gone to and that I was going to go and, like, waste it all. I mean, possibly that as well. Yeah. But one thing is tied up with the other thing, I think, that, you know, it is a nice thing to do, but this was how the game used to be. That, that, that your coach just would have been, well, he's weak. Yeah. That's it. You're getting no votes at the best and fairest. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you play back brace boy. <laughs> Uh, what are your memories of the season? If you had to sum it up in a broad brushstroke. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? Like how quickly, you know, particularly when you have a show like ours that you do every week, how quickly you forget. All right, how about this? I'll make it easier. What were the big storylines mm. from last year? So there was Port Adelaide's uh, run. That was a big story yes. for a while. And the Hinkley, the Ken Hinkley contract. This is good. Yeah. For new listeners of the podcast, this is like a previously on McLeod's Daughters, yeah. <laughs> except done by people who can only half remember the show. Yeah. They didn't go back and edit in actual scenes. They're just like, I think we can remember what happened in last season. So, yeah, okay. So Port Adelaide, their big storylines of the season were, the, yeah, let's do this team by team yeah. and go through oh, what okay. you remember as being the storylines of the team. So, okay. Why don't we go from – we've already Adelaide's. sort of done Collingwood. We'll start with Adelaide. So let's – Right? Can All we go right. alphabetically? Yeah, we'll do it in alphabetical order. Alphabetical yeah, I'm order. with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, All I right. mean, two big storylines. One is that they surprised yeah. everyone. Those draftees, they got in. Dawson became an awesome player. Rankin mm. and uh, Rochelle, like, you know, really dangerous forward combo. Much better than everyone thought they were going to be. Tex Walker. Tex Big Walker. year for Tex Walker. Made the All-Australian team, maybe oh, I even? No, I don't know. Don't know, don't but know. Like, I think maybe. Maybe. Okay. Uh, but then the biggest storyline was uh, that they got robbed of a potential finals place by a, a goal umpiring yes. decision. And that, I imagine, I've heard rumours that they've been given a favorable, very favourable draw this year as some kind of like payback by the <laughs> AFL. I don't know if that's just kind of scuttlebutt, but... And if that's There's, true, that's if hilarious. That, 
If that is not true, <laughs> then it is one of those things that has been repeated now so oh, often by right. so okay. many people that, oh, all the time people are like, oh, yeah, so Adelaide have gone in, done a bit of a negotiation around it, made sure that they get a bit of quid, quid pro quo when it comes to the draw and a few things this season. And I love that. I just think that we should – I actually think that we should be more open about that in the same way we are about trades and drafts and value and money and all these sort of things. I would love if it was just like the AFL came up and go, well, you can play West we Coast fucked that four up. times. We're going to let you play West yeah, Coast four you've times. Literally, we've given you West Coast four times. <laughs> so all in Adelaide. <laughs> You're playing them four times in Adelaide. Wherever in Adelaide you want yeah. to play them. Run them all, one of the games is. <laughs> all right, Brisbane. What's the thing? The big storyline there was Marcus Ashcroft. I reckon. Well, Lockie Neal won the Brown. Yeah, though. Marcus Ashcroft being an absolute superstar goal of the year, um, and then getting injured doing his. ACL. I think that making the grand final it was a big, like uh, monkey off the back because they'd been so close so Huge. many times, and they almost won it. Like being at the game, yes. it felt like they could have. Felt won like it. Collingwood were in control for the majority, but when Charlie Cameron kicked that second goal, mm. and I was sitting right near the Collingwood yeah. cheer squad. There was a real shift. You could sense that suddenly there was like, oh, they could actually get this. So I reckon that's probably their big story. Like Harris Andrews back to form, clearly. I had no idea that yep. good a season. Best and fairest, Harris <laughs> Andrews. Um, Joe Danaher, huge game in the grand final, but pretty great season in yeah. general. Like the Joe, Joe becomes more reliable and what you need from yeah, Joe. And speaking of Joe, big news on a personal front is that um, mm. he's now working out at my gym. Um, I believe that Joe... Never been a fan of the spotlight. The Melbourne fishbowl was too big. It feels like the Brisbane fishbowl was too big, so he's moved to an even smaller bowl in the Northern Rivers. Um, well, you know why he doesn't like the fishbowl, is that the spotlight yeah, because, is because it makes his head look tiny. That's something you That's say, it. It actually, that the beer's been ice cold and they're sold from a supermarket that keeps its prices down. Not no twenty eight days reference there. No, okay. It's not where I went, <laughs> but it's okay. Did I, you get it though. <laughs> it's, they're both good choices. <laughs> well, let me say this about his head because, yeah. yes, that is a, 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 a common trope on this show that um, he has a tiny head. In person, not as tiny. Mm. Like he's a massive dude. Okay. Like he – the other thing I'll say is he has moved to like, you know, um, Byron mm. Bay, which is like a big town. I'm in a smaller kind of satellite town Hang outside on. of Byron. He's, does he live in Byron Bay? I believe Bay. he lives in Byron Bay. Lives but in he Byron drives Bay and out, he had to fishbowl to so much. He drives out to go mm. to my little town and my little my gym is like around is basically a shed with some equipment. Although yeah. I have noticed I've been doing some renos and I'm wondering if some of that sweet Joe Danaher money rolling in because he's mm. been there a lot. Like he was there. I saw him within like four weeks of the grand final, and he was working out hard. Like you know whatever is whatever demons have been eating away at him, he's trying to work them out. But he clearly has the demeanor of someone who wants to be left alone like he he enters the gym with his cap on hood over the cap headphones on goes straight to the, the you know, machinery he wants to work out he's not hanging out he's not checking his phone he's a man on a mission if you listen to our other podcast tofop you would have heard over the years that there was a period of time when i was living in la where dolph lundgren also lived in the same mm. apartment building and one day at the gym you had a conversation with Dolph Lundgren yeah. in the gym at that apartment block. Uh, how many times have you been at the gym when Joe Danaher has Probably been there? three or four times. Have you had a conversation no, with him? he's not given off, I want to have a chat no. vibes. So Dolph Lundgren 
is more approachable than Joe Dan. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Ivan Drago, black belt, triple black belt in karate. <laughs> well, it's just he seems to be, like I said, on a mission. Like he's like talk about burning up the track and training the house down. Like if I had to, if I was if I had spies at training watching Joe Danaher, but the commute thing is interesting because I've heard a rumor, and I don't. This is unconfirmed. This is total whispers from the east. Um, what what would that be? It'd be um, I don't know. Uh, oh, because it's whispers from non, the west. Non so fact it's be... check from the northern rivers. <laughs> Would that what it would be? Or? Oh, yeah, that's okay. good. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things that come out of the Northern Rivers are non-fact-checked, so that, that is very on-brand. So I assumed that he would just keep an apartment in Brisbane, you know, yes. for training and stuff. But from people mm-hmm. I've spoken to who have had interactions, that is not the case. He's, commu- he's doing the commute, the almost really? two-hour drive. From Byron to yeah, almost two hours. If you're lucky enough if to you get the one day, they're not doing all the if they're not doing <laughs> yeah. roadworks or the traffic's banked up. Anywhere between two and nine hours that road takes. I mean, he would be able to afford an apartment in Brisbane, surely. Mm. Like on the money, of course, he's on. But maybe it's just more the psychological thing. Maybe he likes being on his own and that two hours drive to training. No one's kind of talking to yeah. him. It's when he thinks in that little that it's little when he, head, like you know. It's- <laughs> <laughs> that little head's full of thoughts. It feels more full of thoughts than a normal-sized head because the thoughts don't have as much space. Well, it's interesting. Like, I, I, th- I thought about the Dolph Lundgren example because uh, for those who listen to Tofop, you know that it became our mission for me to interact with Dolph and, and, and so we planned it. And we um, and I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I can, there's a way that I can win um, uh, Joe over. But then it sort yes. of got me thinking about, like, footballers we actually have reached to. Because I've been following a lot of Bob Murphy lately on social media, and I know that you're sort of friends with Bob, or at least friendly with Bob. But you two should be best friends. Like going off what I've like gleaned from Bob Murphy over the past six months. Like he's into like alternative music. He's kind of a lefty, you know. He's uh, loves the Bulldogs. Like you guys, I want to make you guys best friends. How do we make you and Murph like best mates? I mean, I think that wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, either do I. So can, like can we do the, it? I, yeah, over the years, whenever we've hung out, we've got along I, yeah, very well. It's, and like, so it's insane that we you're were, doing this show with if me we were not hanging, Bob Murphy. <laughs> like everything I read and see of him, it's like this is like this guy, you guys are like peas in a pod. You'd be absolutely best mates. Yes, well, yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way to what like move to wherever Bob Murphy's style. living at the moment. To, <laughs> parent okay. trap style, All I right. set it up. Like I tell, yeah. I say, hey, uh, Bob Murphy, I'm doing this footy podcast. I'd love you to come on and have a chat. And I'm like, hey, Will, let's do a two guys, one cup, just me and you. And then, oh, well, there's a mistake here, it's Bob, but it's, it's Will. And then you guys like have like best friend love. You fall in love, best friendy style. I'm not, I, I don't have a lot of space in my schedule, Charlie. I'm not looking to bring people on. Like I feel like I've got enough friends and like I love Bob, but also, I, okay, here's... This is interesting. I've never really thought about this before, yeah. but I think there is part of because over the years when those like Nath Brown, Bob, Das, those guys, like I am friendly with the, with that generation of Bulldogs players. Yeah. Like you know, worked with Das and I know Brownie pretty well, and you know, whenever I see Bob, I like Bob. So they are the generation that I am friendly with. But I don't but know. You're more like Bob I was, than you are I, Das. <sighs> Or Nathan Brown is my point. Or is that the problem? I know. You're too so similar. I think that often, 
Yeah, I think maybe right. that's it. I think you don't need both yeah, of them. Yeah, what are you both going to be right? giving me cool recommendations of some alternative band that you're both into or something like that? I think the reason I get on with Brownie and Darswell is that, like, if Bob's not there, I'm kind of <laughs> <You> Bob. <are. laughs> that's <a> right. <laughs> and if I'm not there, he's kind of me. So, like, it feels the same sort of vibe that you need from that, like, third person in that conversation. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that makes sense. So you're proxy Bob. Well, I just think that, like, I guess when I'm around him, I'm like, oh, great. Like, it was like when I read his book, which was fantastic, and I was like, oh, right, you can do this too. <laughs> like, essentially, like, when I see Bob, I see a guy who's into all the same things that I am into, but also was one of the greatest footballers that my club has ever had. So I guess Bob, when I look at Bob, I see what my dad would have wanted me to yeah. be. I see nothing but the disappointment of the – like, he's like the version of me – that would have made my family really excited. Except he didn't He didn't play in the grand final. That's the one thing. So he'd still let your dad down. Just Mate. like you, he'd still let your dad down. <laughs> yeah, imagine if I, like, if I Bevo's <laughs> taken off his medal. He's called me up on stage. So the situation is reversed. Yeah. He's like, I've got to get one guy up here. He's the inspiration behind the club. Brings it up, gives me the premiership medal. I go down to the farm. I'm on, you know, on my crutches still, like, you <laughs> know, construction. going down to the farm. And I'm like, Dad, are you proud? And he goes, you didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carlton. Um, look, mm-hmm. uh, they're absolute abysmal what a start to the season. And we were all loving it. Fans burning memberships. Hurling. Ringing Jared Waitley every Monday morning to hurl abuse. Over, leaving games in the third quarter. Just vile abuse. And then the resurgence. They sort of – they did a Port Adelaide, but later in the season. And – I guess this is like more of a subplot because they did well and they made a prelim and, you know, you and I were probably the most dismissive of that because they, you know, they barely won those finals. <laughs> they just scraped in. Like Melbourne pretty much should have won that prelim, uh, uh, another that semi. Um, but it's Charlie Kernow. Charlie Kernow establishing himself as clearly the dominant big man in the game. Yeah, I, I think finals. that is probably... Yes, well, that's that's the bigger story. So you, they, can Carlton, with the list that they have, take it to the next level if Kerno And oh, the other side plot of that is can Kerno and Mackay play in the same team yeah. and is that, you know, what? but it was the emergence of Charlie. It was the resurgence of Jacob Wiedering, yep. I would say. Yep. And Cripps. That was one of the huge stories. Cripps coming back Cripps, to like yeah. full form. I know he's been back for about a year, but like he's full back yes. now. And I guess it's also the return of that that swagger from Carlton fans, which I, which yes. makes my skin crawl. I went to um, Metricon to see the like as towards the latter end of the season when uh, they beat the Gold Coast, and it was predominantly Blues fans at Metricon um, or Heritage Bank, I should say, and it was an eerie feeling. And I get the sense, like this is strange because I think Carlton fans, after twenty years of you know being browbeaten, this is the normally. Count fans would just be crowing all preseason about yes. we're going to win a flag. But I think there is a concerted effort to just keep that lid, like, fastened. Mm. I'm just not seeing much. It's very uncount. Very uncount. Like, even Keeping in the feedback real... from, like, our listeners, it's like mm. the count fans are, are very mums the word at the moment. Yeah. There's that real sense with Carlton, I think, that, they worry that it was all a bit of a fluke yeah. and that they'll go back to being shit and everyone will make fun <laughs> of them again. And 
I get that because I think there is a chance that could happen. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Uh, Collingwood, we've talked about bombers. Like, talk. This is just Groundhog Day. It feels like when you talk about Essendon, doesn't it? Like, yeah. they have a great list. They've recruited really well. Brought in some big names. Yet they just can't make it to the finals. Groundhog Day. If in Groundhog Day, Bill Murray's character. Uh, decided to never learn any lessons <laughs> and just repeat the same day <laughs> over and over again. I mean, I, I'm uh, fascinated by this idea of their, what do they call them? Not their coterie group. Is it the coterie, the powerful yeah, coterie yeah. at Essendon who seem to like pull the strings and Kevin Sheedy, who's still on the board, somehow ranting about James Hurd being James Hurd back? That's so funny. It is. They are such a talented club. Like you could see them playing finals, absolutely, mm. with the list that they have. But also you just don't know. Like, yeah, there's so much about who they are and what their DNA is that is so – like Jake Stringer is such an emblemic mm. character for that team. Would you say, if Will, Jake, he's Jake, the barometer? I reckon he might be the barometer. Remember when there was that guy who played for – for Brisbane, he got delisted unfortunately at the end of last season. But he remember in a post game interview, he referred to himself as the barometer <laughs> at some search. I don't think he can self identify as a barometer, <laughs> like <laughs> to me. But I think that Jake Stringer is. And at the moment, Charlie, I don't know if you've seen the reports, but uh, training the house, fittest he's ever been. Come back, look, fittest he's ever been. Looking, looking great, Jake Stringer, ready burning to burning up the track. That's what I've heard. Burning. Like they've literally had to like, you know, bring in fire engines because he's burning up the track. Okay, Frio, alphabetically next. I mm. feel like Frio have this thing where they alternate. They're like binary. They exist in one of two states. They're either powerhouse or irrelevant. And so the year before, like made finals, everyone's yeah. like, oh. And then last year, because they just couldn't get together, you just sort of forget about them, don't you? Especially in the East. Look, I know we have a big Western Australian contingent who listen to this show. I'm not saying that they're worthless. I'm just saying over here, they don't get the coverage when they're not winning games. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. I think the interest goes off like Fremantle very quickly if they're. So, what's, what are. What was the story of Fremantle last they, year? They just, just kept sputtering. Irre yeah. Irrelevancy? You could never like it get was, it going. They looked like they were playing really bad football and boring football That's for right. a while. And then they went to – There was like the Luke Jackson like yeah, that was situation whether he was going to work with Darcy. Darcy. But that but then Jackson started playing well. There was all the Nat on. Fife. Oh, Caleb Sarong had a great season. Yeah. Um, what to do with uh, Nat Fife was the other talking point, I guess. Yes. Like, are you going to just stim in a forward pocket? You can't play midfield anymore. I mean, it's kind of sad that there's no talk about that this season so far, it feels like to me. No one, like, it almost feels like even Nat Fife feels a little bit Yeah, that's true. Like, like, there's no Herald Sun yeah. articles about him. Like, he's no. he's been to Nepal or something like that. You know, he's posing shirtless in front of Mount yes. Everest or something. You know what? I'm just going to Google I'm just gonna Google Nat 5 and just see what the most recent, like, news thing that comes up because there might be Western Australian coverage. Okay, oh, 19 hours ago. Okay. So, <laughs> so <laughs> the, West, the West Australian, when we're recording this, 19 hours ago, um, wrote a little article uh, about Nat Five. So let's uh, see what it said. Oh, yeah, this is great. This is – okay, let's have a little look at this. Nat Five. Fremantle Dockers star makes surprise appearance alongside – okay, so he's at an exercise, a type of exercise. Okay. 
So like F40, he's F45 in. or something. So yeah, you're in the sort yeah. of like it's a style yep. of exercise, yep. but F45 to me feels a little close to I mean this has a vibe of F45, but let's go a bit more nat five. Oh, okay. It's yoga Pilates. Correct. Pilates, <laughs> yeah, right oh my up. god, it's so nat uh, five. Totally. Nat five Fremantle Docker Star makes surprise appearance alongside Perth Pilates punters. What the hell does that mean? He just went to a Pilates class. He went to a party <laughs> class, I think. But let's see. There is photos of him doing all the stuff. There's a series of photos. I'll read you the article. Let's see what's been going on. As Perth swelters through its weekend heat wave, there were plenty of excuses for those who wanted to skip their usual Sunday morning Pilates class. But for those who braved the heat to head to strong Pilates in Inaloo and South Fremantle, were rewarded for their efforts by having a two-time Brownlow medalist help motivate him as he sweated it out alongside... Oh, okay, this feels like it was a promo. He's probably got some interest right. in these businesses is what I'm starting to suspect. Nat Fife was on deck to join the workouts with the Pilates enthusiast delighting punters with cameo workouts as he ramps up his fitness ahead of the new AFL season. Fife posed for selfies signed Docker's merchandise, and even cuddled children <laughs> after the session. What is going on? As he proved to be quite the crowd pleaser. Um, That's very extroverted for that poor yeah. introvert. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Five famously credits Pilates for helping him keep his body in top condition, and uh, the 32-year-old will be helping. It does the trick this season as he looks to overcome a disappointing past two yeah. seasons that have seen him muster just a level. I would love to speaker. see him have a dusty-like resurgence. Wouldn't that be great? Mm -hmm. Like, just, you know, go out in a high. Another one or two years more of just, like, vintage Nat 5. Like, Dusty had a couple of bad years and then last year put it back together and – from what I hear, Will has been burning the house down. I'm not, saying, I'm not burning the I house down. That's, yeah, when you, no, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, like I think some maybe some people his father knew were responsible yeah. for that. But yeah, training the house a couple down. of times. Houses got burnt down. Who knows how they got burnt? <laughs> yeah, down. I mean, it's a real it's nice like shot. A they had nice house here. Shame if something happened. To it. Anyway, yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, uh, the Giants. Um, look, it's all about. There's a big, big yeah. sound. We all got on the bandwagon. How could you not? Yes. Um, I really – they almost beat Collingwood. That's fucking crazy. That's one thing I do remember from last year. Very good team. Is they almost beat Collingwood. Very good team. Um, and their coach is, you know, that guy with the guns. Um, yep, that's him. That's him, old Port Adelaide Thickneck, and was a coach at St yep. Kilda for a time. And his name is yep. – Barry Adam Biceps. Kingsley. Adam Kingsley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Awesome. I'm, I'd be excited. Is, it? is that what his Adam name Kingsley. is? Uh, Not Barry Biceps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would just be so stoked if I was a Giants fan. Like they have stockpiled all this young talent and they've revived yes. all their old talent and good times ahead. Um, I feel like I'm Toby Green was captain of the All-Australian team. That was one of the big storylines of the season, that Toby Green, the villain, the heel of the AFL, got his redemption arc where he got to be captain of the All-Australian team. Uh, the Cats. Uh, Father Time caught up with the Cats finally after 11 yeah. successive finals appearance and two flags. Finally. Father Time popped down to the cattery, yeah. put those cats in a bag, took them down to the <laughs> river and chucked it in. <laughs> <laughs> put a brick in the sack and dropped it into the Cryo Bay. Mm. Uh, 
I think, yeah, I mean, is that the storyline? Um, Jeremy Cameron started the year amazing, best player in the competition, yeah. and then we all got distracted by his YouTube channel and forgot about his football for a while because his YouTube videos were so good. Uh, I think that he, everyone at Geelong just wasn't paying much attention, I think, this year. I think they won their premiership and then everybody was like, you know what, they've got that casual vibe down at Geelong, come in when you want, blah, blah, blah. And I think they were just like, you know what, we're old. Yeah. We deserve a year off to celebrate well, It's this. also it's hard again. to watch a game at GMHBA Stadium when there's no seats. Yeah. <laughs> like it is still the ugliest uh, stadium under construction to watch football. Like it just looks terrible every time the ball goes down one of the ends. It's an interesting plan that they've got down at uh, the Geelong Stadium for people who don't know because they seem to be – uh, expanding it about 500 seats at yeah. a time. And full, it takes about full, nine full months. down, <laughs> 500 seats. It takes so long. Um, okay, Suns. Well, the biggest storyline is Dimmer coming in and uh, poor old Stewie Dew being a dead man walking. Yes. Um, so favourite of the podcast, Stewie Dew. Sad, sadly gone. We loved we loved Stewie Dew, but uh, this – sets this season up for a much more interesting storyline, which is, you know, the, uh, you know, I guess the, the best coach or one of definitely the best coaches of this modern day era, you know, goes up to this club that has been full of potential but never been able to actually realise that potential and we get to see what he can do with it. And I, I think there was lots of – there was lots to like about Gold mm. Coast – Last year, you know, it wasn't all bad news. No, I'm just trying to think though. Like, so they had no Tuke Miller for the majority of the season and they still managed to win some games, but they yeah. never, it's kind of a bit like Frio. They never really got on a roll, just felt sputtering the whole time. Um, Noah Anderson had a great Noah season. Noah Anderson, like, um, you know, Bailey, into an absolute superstar. Humphrey, uh, uh, yeah. their first year player was really good as well. Um, uh, Levi Casbolt just hanging in there. Like Marbio Troll yeah. went before Levi Casbolt. Isn't that crazy? I like I honestly thought that when Levi left Carlton, he was retiring from AFL. Football. He was the Jesse White instead, of Carlton. He has rocked up to the Gold Coast. Grown his hair, shaggy, detective long. slash porn star style. Yeah. Just never has a man like we talk about that idea of Warwick Kappa being you know, for a while he was emblemic of the Gold Coast, particular surface paradise. But that old surface paradise, that's not what the Gold Coast is anymore. It's people who used to live in Melbourne who've rocked up there and they're bringing a little bit of that. They've got a bit more of a modern, you know, city style, but still that Gold Coast swagger. There's something about the, the rest of the vibe of the Gold Coast and the energy. And I think no one embodies that more. Than Levi Caswell. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. I mean, it is interesting, though, like Marbior, who l left. So he's mm. going to Hawthorne, I believe, now because Dimmer got. So clearly there's a Dimmer Marbior issue because he was at Richmond before he went to the Tigers. But that's like, I mean, I like Marbior Chol. I, I I would like him at the Saints. But then I, I worry if uh, he came and then, like, they sack <laughs> Ross Lyon and they bring Dimmer and then he has to move on again. <laughs> Like, I mean, Dimmer that just would be a fun storyline that every – wherever Marbiola is, Dimmer goes for that <laughs> yeah, job. Yeah. Just just to, that's, <laughs> that's how much he wants to get inside his kitchen. <laughs> All right, uh, Hawthorne. Um, storyline here was clearly uh, Sam Mitchell taking over full-time and I think yeah. them being better 
than we gave them credit better for. Better than we all thought. And kind of yeah, annoyingly so. so because it feels like they're not far mm-hmm. off being good again. They were meant to be terrible. It was meant to be a year going into it that they were going to be. West Coast. Or, they got rid of a whole bunch of players. They were going to be one of the worst teams in the competition. And it turns out they were not. Yeah. They were quite good quite a lot of the time. And there was a lot of potential on their list. I reckon of all of the bottom four teams, they probably had the most upset wins. Like they beat Brisbane. They beat like a couple of other really good teams. Beat St Kilda. Like I think they're, yeah, god damn it. Like just must be so. Do you think it's boring being a Hawthorne supporter? Or is it just like, it's just awesome. Like, it's not, is it like yeah. being born rich? The vibe I get from Hawthorne supporters, like we just like you feel empty? that it's awesome. Oh, it's awesome. I think that it's they think that it's awesome. I don't think that they in any way have a perspective on it that you and I have. That which was like, well, maybe that level of sustained success would ruin us yeah. as people. Hawthorne fans don't have that. Nah. They, they carry with them an expectation that that's what it's meant to be like at Horsell. <laughs> and when it's not happening, they feel confused by it. Now, the next team, I think I feel like I should give you your own, like, 15 minutes because this preseason has been dominated by talk around this one club, and that is the Melbourne Demons. So, Will, you have the floor. What was the story of the Demons last year? And then lead that into what's happened over the off-season. Well... I mean, the story of the Demons last year is that they probably went into the season, if not the best team in the competition, certainly in that like handful of a couple of teams that were going to be the best team in the competition, and they fucked it again. They, they brought in really Brody Grundy, and they're going to team up Brody yep. Grundy and Max Gorn. That was going to be the most dominant combo. It was going to work. Everything was going to be fine. That was going to Send dominate. Max well, forward. Brody's Brody's in Sydney now, having <laughs> a good old time, and not at your club anymore. And then probably a guy who was on. Track to be the greatest ever demon, Clayton Oliver, has gone off the rails for whatever reason or maybe not gone off the rails or whatever the case may be, but who knows, like the mental health issue or a discipline issue or whatever it is, like all, the, all those things mixed up together. Like, so they've been dealing with that speculation around the coach and his off-field behaviour, whether mm. that's true or not. Like there was speculation Stephen May coming it. out of the best and fairest and saying they would have won the flag. <laughs> If they, if, oh, some real sort of England won the Ashes moral victory sort of <laughs> stuff rolling them. out from Stephen we May. We would have smoked them. They're no good. Yeah. We would have won it in my imagination, <laughs> in my mind, <laughs> which is where I had to play the game because we weren't in it because we lost. Here's what I am going to say, though, Charlie. Mm. We are two guys, one I feel like it's got so bad for Melbourne that maybe I was thinking about this a little the other day and I think that I'm now a bit worried for Clayton Oliver. I would like to see Clayton Oliver, you know, be able to kind of get his life back together and come back and play football. He's just such a great footballer. Like I'd like to go back to not enjoying watching him because he's so good at what he does. Like I don't – I'm not getting any joy out of the fact that he's not, like, playing in the game. And I think that my hatred of Melbourne from 2021, I think this might be the year. Okay. I think I'm, I might be putting it to All us. right, you're going to squash that beef? I feel like beef? it's done. You're squashing the beef? I feel, I feel like the beef might be squashed. Yeah. Like, the beef may return, but it feels like... For a while, it was like we were a couple and they'd done better out of the break. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, once we lost the grand final, our shit had fallen apart. We'd been full of potential, but nothing had really gone right for us. And they 
well, you know, things were going great for them. Mm. Things were really successful for them. And I resented that, right? You don't want to like see them doing so well when you're not doing as well, right? And then I feel like things – now I'm worried about them. Yeah. Now I want to say to them, are you okay? <laughs> like, were you, <laughs> you know what? We shared something together and I've been mad at you for about three years. But like now I just want to give you a big old hug and go, are you okay? Yeah. You were in a boy band together. I was watching the Robbie Williams yeah. uh, documentary the other day and it's like you're in Take That together. Yeah. And then, you know, they went off and became Robbie Williams. You're Gary Barlow. You're like, but I was meant yeah. to be the star. But now it's like, you know what? Let's yes. bygones be bygones. It happened. You know what? 2021 happened. Yeah. Like there's been a whole bunch of shit that's happened since then. I feel like it's just time we put all that in the past and we start this season at least fresh. Any, I, I hope that any issue I have with Melbourne during this season will be of this season. Yeah. I'm not going to fresh. What I'm going to give, do is give you a real fresh slate. Coach comes to a new club. You've got a fresh slate. You've got the opportunity to, you know, do a good job or do a bad job, but you're going to be judged on this season and this season alone. I'm going to leave the past in the past. The funny thing about Demon supporters and Bulldog supporters from an outsider perspective, having seen you both experience flags after huge droughts, is there is so much anguish <laughs> tied up in the lack of kind of potential or the lack of follow-up after that. There's, there's, you actually have more in common than you probably think. Like, Demons fans, I didn't see confidence going into 2022. It was more like, oh, God, I hope we don't fuck this up. Oh, God, like, let's just, let's just get another one because we've got this list and let's not fuck this up. And then they did. And then... Two years in a row now, straight sets exit from finals. And so Demons fans, yeah. they don't have the arrogance of Carlton, of Hawthorne, or, or even the Bombers, uh, you know, surprisingly. But they, I think that that's – if Melbourne have another season where they struggle, then I think the beef will definitely be squashed by the end of the year. But if they get their shit together, you know, everything gets straightened out and then, you know, they become a, a, the top four team they have the potential to be, then maybe – Maybe you'll hate them again. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I I think it would be good for them if they get back to me hating them again. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, that's what you want as a team. At the moment, I feel a little sorry for them, which I'm sure <laughs> is not love. what they want to hear. Okay, uh, what about North Melbourne? Love them. Yeah, I um, I think it's weird. There's like there's there's two schools of thought. There's the the Kane Corns. They only won two games. They're pathetic. And then there's the more generous view, which I think you and I have, which is like, but look at all those kids. They're so good. Like, you know, Harry Sheasel plays his first season, Joy wins Wardlaw. the rising star, wins the um, best and fairest at his club in his first season. Yeah. Like you have Larky, who's like made the All-Australian team. Yeah. Like, you know, incredible. Like kicked so many goals in the season. And, yeah, as you said, all those without a senior, other young without players. Without a senior coach for the majority of the year. Poor old Brett Ratton and is asked to come in and just carry the can for six weeks. Poor old Brett. And then they've, like, had another opportunity to do that again this season in, like, yeah. gone in with good draft choices, you know, highly ranked, you know, draft picks, you know. So they have an opportunity to not just have that new layer of gun players that came in last season, but they have an opportunity Depth. to do that again this season with their picks as well. And so you also have that those guys who are a few years old in that LDU and all those sort of guys starting to go, Oh, gee, playing footy's pretty fun when there's a whole bunch of other players who are also good at playing footy. Can hit and, a target. 
Yeah, they don't have a great back line, but other than that, I think I'm very excited about North, you know, like moving up the ladder this season. Yeah, well, it's a bit interesting to see, like, how much better or worse they are without Ben Mackay. <laughs> Because, yeah. like, I mean, that was the, I guess, one of the off-season. I guess that was one of the storylines. Yeah, yeah, it was like, what is Ben, why, what is ben Mackay worth? And clearly the Bombers think he's worth about 800K a year. Mm. But I don't know. Like, I never remember watching a North Melbourne game and going, gee, they're not good, but at least that fullback is pretty good. Like, at least he's sort of, you know, they've, they've got a shining light there. He seemed to be in the mud with the rest of them. So I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I think that you can find other people to fill that hole. Yeah, you know, stopper. Um, I think so, and I think that, like you said, you know, their coach was off for most of the season last season, which was one of the big storylines of the season. Which was, you know, not only is this club struggling on the field, but they've also had this like big recruit name coach who's then not been able to coach for most of the season. And their president had to take time off for health reasons as well. Like, they actually went through the ringer. The fact that they won two games at all. And, like, what a great start to the year. They won two in a row. Yes. You know, you remember seeing Clarko on the boundary line calling ball against Freo. Like, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm bullish about North. I I thought it was a good season. I mean, they almost beat us, but that's not really saying much. Port Adelaide. We sort of talked about them. Uh, Mm. The storyline was a streak and and, uh, uh, Warren Treadjay riding them off the start of the season. Richmond, what's the Richmond storyline? I guess it was like the Dimmer leaving and the resurrection yep. of Dusty. That was the the two big storylines. Yeah, I think so. Like the the, the Richmond great era was over, but that Dusty was at the, they, at the start reti- of last. Well, it, the story was retiring the superstars. Yeah, that's right. Cochin right? went, Revolt went. Like, how do you do that? How do you you know pay tribute to these? you know, players that have been become legends of your football club. I think they did all that very well. So, yeah, I think that they did actually had quite a satisfying storyline, I think, during the season. Yeah, at the start of the year, it was like, can Richmond, is there one last run left in them? You know, can they yeah. can they get the expendables back together and just, like, charge towards the finals? Turns out, no. And about halfway through the first game, Tim was like, I don't reckon there is, actually. But, <laughs> you know, I'll stick around for a few more weeks. But <laughs> yeah, I, need a, I need a break from football of about three weeks before I get yeah. a huge payday yeah. to go to the Gold Coast. <laughs> uh, okay, the Saints. Funny thing. What was the story? Oh, the story of the, of the Saints was that, like, we were yeah. the Hawkeye of the final eight. It's like no one could believe we were there and didn't really understand what our function was. But... I think the stat is only St Kilda and Collingwood and maybe one other team spent the entire season within the eight. And yeah. and considering the injuries we had, like we had no Max King, no Tim Membry for the majority of the year. We're playing kids up forward. Like it's a pretty uh, – Ross Lyons return, obviously. But um, that's the story of the year is that like the Saints played finals when everyone had picked it as to be top bottom four last year. Constantly – like for the last Never half of the season in particular, there was just really like this vibe in the general footy community of like, what are you doing? What here? are you doing here? It's kind of got, people got more you're annoyed. Here. Like if you're a, if you're a Sydney or an Adelaide or one of the or a Bulldogs, one of those teams just like they particularly were annoyed. Like, so he gets mm. in? Come on. It's like, you know, not getting let oh, into yeah. a nightclub and then you see a dude in thongs mm. and shorts walking through like, the door. Yeah. You're like <laughs> what about that guy. Come on. Like, are you letting him in? I can't believe it. So I think that was the majority of the story. And maybe... Well, that was the thing. That in that same analogy, it's basically they go, you let him in there. And the, the bouncer just turns around and goes, mate, 
He never left. <laughs> because that was the science. Yes. Right? That's right. He, he you, got once, in. Once you got in, yeah. you never left. That's right. It's like getting to the beachy. You get to the beachy before Look. 5 p.m. and you just get a table. Then they yeah. can't kick you out. Yeah. That's, the si- <laughs> that's the Saints strategy. Just get in and cling on to a table. So bouncer's going to chuck you out. All right, the Swans. Uh-huh. Um, what is the Swan storyline? I guess underperform Buddy. That's one storyline. Retirement of a champion. Retirement of a of champion. Um, uh, the underwhelming uh, un- season for them, considering the season they had before that. And then Errol Goulden becoming one of the best players in the competition. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, that's definitely one of the big Sydney storylines. Errol Goulden oh, was the Chad Warner of 2023. Yeah. And Callum Mills hurting himself on Mad Monday. Oh, yes. Like a late addition, but their captain hurting himself during like a tackle or a prank or something on Mad Monday for an injury that might keep him out for the majority of the season, I think was a very late – there was a late you know, addition to the draft of going, hey, it's not done yet. Yeah. Here's an after the title's credits. So. Like I think when something like that happens, like Kane Corns just sort of wakes up, like he just instinctively he yeah. wakes up and his wife's like, you okay? He's like, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to have a great day today. Yeah. I just feel like it's going to yeah. be a really good show. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Eagles, well, you know, the worst, historically one of the worst seasons yeah. ever, like the most, uh, the high, big, most losses by highest margin in, in subsequent weeks or some crazy statistic, statistic like the that. The unsackable coach. Yeah. It's, hang on, I don't even know, is he still their coach? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know it's amazing, Actually, I have isn't to stop it? Stop to think about it because I'm like, did he like, stick around? Remember at the end of the season, there was that vibe of like, oh yeah, this is it. Yeah, Simpson, no one survived this. New. And then, and then at the end, they were like, no. Nah. Well, it turns out he does. He's surviving it. Yeah. We're going to give him another go. It's just hard uh, to wrap your head around a shit West Coast. Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly having like a. Tim Kelly had a huge. There's season. no. Like let's the, let's not. There's no silver linings. There's no silver Harley linings. Harley Reid. Let's be honest. Yeah. The big story for West Coast was Harley Reid. Would yes. they? Would they go for the number one in the draft? This you know supposedly generational player that the unicorn. Would they trade for a couple of draft picks as part of their rebuild, or would they go all in on the the one person, the Harley Reid of it all, the Messiah, and particularly with that. The storyline that Harley Reid maybe had, didn't want to go, like yeah. there was a bit of scuttlebutt around the idea that there was like some Facebook posts or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was – so I think in a way that was like a lot of the narrative and the storyline is like do you get Harley Reid or not? I think as you pointed out at the time and we were talking about it last year, the idea that an 18-year-old wouldn't want to go live in WA – Mm. on the kind of money and treatment that he would get over <laughs> there seems insane to me. Like, I even mean, if you love just Melbourne. Even without, even without the money and treatment he would get <laughs> angle, you're just like, have you seen how nice that joint is? <laughs> yeah. You, like, yeah, it's awesome. you have to train all the time. Yeah. Like, you can just go down and surf and swim and have, like, a real good time. Yeah, so I guess that would be the major storyline. And interesting to see, like, what happens – because they were so bad and, you know, they've had two shocking seasons where they have been fielding, like, basically waffle teams. Like, how do they get out of that? Like, how how much – we feel like North Melbourne's had – we've been really, really patient with North and it feels like, okay, well, maybe they're turning a corner. Will West Coast get as much time as North or because they are a power club, do people have less tolerance for mediocre performances? 
I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be West Coast. I must be. I don't must be like being a Hawthorne supporter. I think. Yeah. I mean, but also West Coast is like Hawthorne supporters. The reason that they love their club is that they are constantly and reliably successful and sensitive, sensible around it feels like the rebuilding. Mm. They're not afraid to make hard decisions on behalf of, you know, like, you know, what it is that they're trying to achieve. Whereas West Coast feels a bit more like, you're great, here's money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to meet girls? <laughs> like, how good's everything? <laughs> Would you like to meet girls? <laughs> All right, finally, the Western Bulldogs. Mm. Hmm. I guess it was a... It was a season of a whimper rather than a bark. Yes. Uh, a lot of big things predicted. This is the, if they're going to make a charge, it's now. They've got the best player in the competition. Um, he still can't win a brown low for some fucking reason. <laughs> like Josh Dacos I mean, is, he was ahead is going to win before for 20 seconds. Um, I think that was the big storyline is like, is Bevo, is his time up? I mean, his teeth are definitely like... They're, they're on their way out. Like, those teeth belong somewhere else. Like, they, those teeth belong on the Gold Coast more than Dimmer does. Do you think there's a possibility that he comes back this season and he's got the old teeth? <laughs> Can you reverse what the... <laughs> I thought you were going to say he's doubled down. He's come back yeah. full Botox. Oh, bigger, bigger teeth. No, yeah, big, no, but he's gone, like, full <laughs> cosmetic surgery. He has some fillers. His cheeks are uh, looking, like, much more plump. Skin's all taut. Just that big – he's like full LA. I mean, that feels more on brand. Not in the – that he has that personal vanity, but more in the idea that if somebody criticises him for something, he doubles down yeah, on him. He's stubborn. About it. So he comes back and he's got had like breast implants or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, why do you like my rack? They distract you from my teeth, don't they? <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess it was the Bontempelli of it yeah. and – the Bontempelli year, the fact that he was the best player in the competition or amongst it but didn't win the Brown, though. The Bulldogs being disappointed. The tall, It was going to be all the tall players. Yeah, Rory that Lobb was an absolute fizzer the saviour of an idea. And then... Uh, Bailey Smith yeah, struggling. Bailey Smith. Yeah, Bailey Smith's going off, you know, and not being able to, like, play at the highest level. And then, obviously, now him being injured and out for the season and all the speculation around him not being at the club next, you know, the year after anyway. So I think that was the story of last year. I'm like, I mean, in another episode, we'll get to what the story of, you know, maybe this year will be, mm. but it's, it feels like a real, it's going to go one way or the other season for the Bulldogs. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like, this is kind of where the doggies like it, right? Like we always talk mm. about Bevo's bottom yeah. boys no expectation. And I think that they would be a club who are like, there's a problem when you're a small Melbourne club, one of those, like however many there are in Melbourne, once the, the sheen drops off, you're immediately forgettable. If you're North, if you're Melbourne, if you're the Bulldogs, like, and so you're gone. So that's a good spot for the Bulldogs to attack the season. I just, I just want to see Bont like win a Brownlow. Like I just really, I feel like it would be in a, in a, what we understand to be a very um, imprecise award for the best player in the competition. I understand that and that maybe, you know, some people just uh, get it when they shouldn't. I want to see Marcus Bontempelli be recognised with a brown low. Well, maybe he will be one of those players who gets it when he doesn't deserve it, you know, <laughs> because there's been a couple of years where he did deserve it and he hasn't been He'll able to get a legacy brown low. 
he won the Bulldogs best and fairest, put it that way, right? right? Like, whereas, you know, maybe one year there? it'll be like, oh, four, maybe. And I does think? that put him up near, like, Witten, Brad Johnson? Uh, so Scotty West Scott has, West. like, six or seven. Right. So, yeah, so... Like, but Bont's definitely on the way to been the greatest. He might, he might even ever. have five, but he's definitely yes. He's and but maybe he'll just fluke it in some season where like Caleb Daniel wins the Bulldogs best and fairest. You know, he also like strikes me as the low. kind of player who could just play mm. for a long time because just say he slows down, he's got that. Mm. He could be a tall forward. Like, in, he could just finish his career like Roger Merritt, you know, at the Lions and just play like tall forward. We're not going to let him year. go. We'll weekend, We'll just drag him around weekend at Bernie's <laughs> yeah, style. Like, we don't care. Who was that uh, player? Are... Was it Simon Beasley who played for the Dogs yeah. who looked like he was like 70 years old? <laughs> like, he yeah. played him for Always. a while. Yeah. 100% looked like he was. I'm like, are you meant to be playing? He kicked like 100 goals on season, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, uh, I put a call out to the listeners, Will, yeah. to say what are you, what are your predictions, or what are you looking forward to okay. in twenty twenty four. So we can we can learn this. This is from David. He says Essendon will be hyped up all preseason and then will struggle to make the finals or just scrape in. So Groundhog Day, well, that that checks mm-hmm. out. Um, not part of everyone says if Brisbane don't win the flag, I'll be sad because I think people will start to turn on Fags and I love him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think it's – I think Ken Hinckley and, and Fags have the same issue, but I think it, the pressure is more on Ken Hinckley than Fags. He, Fags made a grand final. That's that's Yeah, Fags has a pretty, like, high level of success at the club, right? Yeah. And he's put them in the right places for them to win. And plus, you know what the other thing about it is for him? He's very close to retirement anyway, so <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is from uh, Mac – Macles, Maclezer, okay. Maclemore's cousin, Maclezer. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, the Eagles will definitely finish bottom third. <laughs> oh yes, no, I think that's for sure. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even another spoon, but the kids will improve. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Um, this person, Rick Ricard, just says flag. Ricard, I don't know what team you support, but I'm going to assume Carlton. What are you going to say? Who do you think, Ricard? I'm going to say Collingwood. Uh, Aaron, who's a Collingwood supporter, says, I will continue to hear the reluctant compliment, I like your coach. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that – I think I think maybe the the honeymoon is over for that. I think Collingwood will – my prediction is Collingwood will go back to being loathed, um, fly or not, in 2024. Dacos, maybe not. I, but I think if they dominate all season, they will. But I think if they have – one of those seasons that people think that they can beat them, I still think there's a charm to it. But, yes, the success will have – there was more people going into last year's grand final. Like, it used to traditionally be anyone but Collingwood, right? If Collingwood were in the grand final, you would barrack for the opposition. But I didn't feel that last no. season. I think that if Collingwood made the grand final again, anyone who did not barrack for Collingwood – would be barracking for whoever they were. Who's be the most the beloved final. Collingwood player of all, like of, of the modern era? Peter Dacos. Peter Dacos. So, I mean, Nick and Josh are basically. Already, I would have said Peter Dacos before he gave them their best and fairest, and and the other one who's going to be the best player who's ever played in the game. <laughs> like even before that, I reckon he was pretty much the most beloved. Did you ever? Did you hear that? Um, they did an interview with the Dacos brothers after a game where. Um, 
they're asking, did Pete like coach you as a kid? And I think it's Nick or, Nick or Josh obviously said, um, oh yeah, dad used to refer to us as the beach house. <laughs> My wife was like, why? It's because one day they're going to buy us a beach house, these kids. It's like, oh, Pete knew what he was talking about. Um, uh, This is from SJB. Uh, Carlton will have Charlie hating them again within a month. I don't know. I agree with Will. I feel like Carlton, it could be a nice edge. If they start the season badly, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think their their fans are resilient enough to endure an uncertain start to the season. Oh, the only thing I don't want to see from Carlton this season is... Dominance. Well, I don't think we'll see dominance. I don't think they're that team. I think they're more a uh, like bottom half of the eight, you know, team rather than that top echelon team. But what I don't want to see is reliability or consistency. Oh, yes. I want to see them go on the same nightmare ride that they went on last <laughs> season. I'm not wishing against their success. But I do want to see some real highs and lows, you're ups right. and downs. That's, you're right, because it's entertaining. And Carlton fans are yeah. just so easy to kind of provoke. Like that, You're right. That's a good yes. one. Um, Chris, uh, Mr. Chris says, uh, a premiership for the Lions or bust. I think Lions fans are putting too much pressure on themselves. They are. I was having a chat to Dom Fay, who uh, does the Raw Deal podcast, and, and he, like, he's been on a real soul-searching <laughs> since the since the grand final, it's like, don't take it so hard, man. It'll be okay. I don't think Lions fans, you should be heaping this much pressure on yourselves. Like I, think- I feel like that's part of the problem with Collingwood being likable, right? Like I put all my anger and resentment into Melbourne for three years. That's what I needed to do. I needed to channel it yeah. into that sort of aggression. But like Collingwood being so like likable and entertaining, I think has made it harder for Brisbane fans to, to channel – they're hating themselves. They're yeah. being self-loathing. There's too much self-examination and putting the expectation on the, you know, if if I don't do this, then I it's have us failed. Or our coach. Whereas, yeah. yeah. Now you got, you got to channel that energy into hating the people who beat you. The Flying Mink says GWS will continue our form and should be top four. Yeah, I reckon that's, yeah, that's I could say that happening. Brian says Adelaide to be fucked over by Sydney once more. <laughs> I told you they just haven't forgotten about it. I mean, you wouldn't though, would you? Yeah. See, I, I think if it happened to St Kilda, and there was a chance yeah. with that entire incident with that, you know, that not mm-hmm. being called a goal, there was a chance that it could have knocked St Kilda out of the finals. And Saints fans, yeah. we were like, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> like another, another that's so St Kilda, St Killing Me moment where we just get fucked over. But, you know, if you're a, from a proud club, a club with self-esteem, it would feel outrageous and it can never happen again. I... Like Adelaide with a chip on its shoulder. So I actually feel like this is a So you like Adelaide perfect, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. But I think that this is like a perfect setup for a season for Adelaide. Like Adelaide want to go in with a little resentment about what's going on. The idea that you could go into an entire season, that's like all their Christmases have come at once that they've been – Cheated out of a like not cheated but like mistaked out of a you know finals appearance yeah. <laughs> that they you know feel like they should have got and that's great yeah. that's a that's a little chip oh what's that on my shoulder why are all these seagulls gathering around because I've got a delicious chip on my shoulder to carry through the preseason into the new season Ashray eighty nine uh, Captain Connor Rosie slides into his role with ease and poise Port find another gear in twenty four well they'd bloody want one because for the last five years they haven't had one. 
It's interesting, isn't it? On the port, like, um, on while we're still yeah. on port, this uh, real quick says fresh leadership group at port me equals premiership. So I think Port Adelaide fans are delusional. Right, <laughs> they're up and about, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. Um, Jen Church says uh, Noah Bolter goes to new, even more freakish athletic heights. Who does he play for? I mean, I know he was at Richmond, but who's he play for now? Who did Noah Bolter get drafted? To or where or have traded no to? No idea. Oh no, no about um, He stayed. So I'm thinking of Ivan Soldo. Uh, did he? Yeah, I mean, got, again, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, so. it, it's no Bolter. He's definitely staying. So he's still at the Tigers. Um, okay. Is that is that being ironic? Even more freakish athletic heights. Is Noah Bolter known for his athleticism, or is that a joke? Um, well, I've looked up Noah Bolter on the the news, and there's only articles about him being punched in the mouth during a local soccer match. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, all right. This person, we, I don't know who they support, but I'm going to let you guess. Brendan says, like most seasons before it, I expect smatterings of joy, ending in crushing disappointment. What club does oh. Brendan Barrick for? I'm going to say Bombers. I'm going to say or Bulldogs. Um, no, I reckon Bulldogs, that's too much. That's too self-flagellating based okay. on what we've had as Bulldogs fans. And I think Saints have had enough success that it's not going to be a St Kilda fan. So it's got to be Essendon. someone who thinks that their team lives, yeah, maybe Essendon. Smatterings of joy and crushing yeah. disappointment. Or maybe Melbourne? Nah, because like they get more, Melbourne give you more than a smattering of joy. Okay. Melbourne are giving you a fair amount of joy. And then you know, equal doses of disappointment. But I think that the Bulldogs have given joy, the Saints have given joy, like more than smatterings. You've mm. got to look at a team that's only given smatterings. Yeah, it's true. I'm trying to think of what was Essendon's big win from last year. What was the one that you're like, oh, maybe the Bombers going to – I can't think of one. Mm, no, nah, that feels roll. like a smattering. All right, well, on the Don's run, Taylor says, just don't want the Bombers to be shit. Um, Martin says, we're going to win a final. Um Insta Mulsey, who's a Port Adelaide supporter, says we're going to finish top four but finish with heartbreak in September. Well, that's just that more of the same, feels right? Realistic. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that feels based on it's like watching an episode of NCIS. You're like, I know how this is going to play oh, out. Yeah, we've got a salty Port supporter here. Sage okay. says another million to Ken Hinckley's generational mm. wealth fund will be oh, our nice. only 2024 achievement. Is Sage, uh, I think this is this has got to be Warren Treadjay's account, right? I mean, this is the Port Adelaide that we know and love, though. This is what I expected those other ones when you were talking about the fact that they thought they were going to win the premiership with a new leadership group. I'm like, this doesn't feel very Port Adelaide. You know what this feels like? Port Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, Ashbird thinks that Richmond will be a final smoky. I uh, disagree. Mm. Um, Emma. Or M says, uh, Melbourne will shit the bed all aboard the Giants hype train this year. Ooh, okay. Uh, oh, that's no good. Keegs has said, Jack Sinclair not doing his knee. What is that? Oh, that's your prediction. So that Jack Sinclair won't have a knee injury. <laughs> okay. Oddly specific, Man. but I'll take it. Does. Uh, oh, Broden Kelly. Uh, the footy's Broden Kelly uh, has just written one word, Will. What do you think that one word is? Uh, D's to do with success. Hill, close. Or hill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, premiership. Flag. Flag for the D's. Uh -huh. um, 
Mangorian. Speaking of Broden Kelly, Broden Kelly, of course, has a, a, a excellent AFL adjacent footy podcast. A bit more. I know it's as adjacent because I was listening to an episode this morning when we were recording this where they Talking were about making a team out of Pokemon characters. Oh, yeah, so right. he, so he, I feel like actually well, that explains why like he, he texted me last night uh, asking me about uh, Cal Wilkie being in All Australian. Uh, that, that explains why he was okay. I get it. Right, and so. Uh, I will be appearing, I believe, on an episode of the – so I re- have recorded it, but I don't know when it's coming out of uh, the footy as well, so you can, can check you, that uh, Can you tease anything? Because I know he believes that you have a – well, he knows about your hatred for the demons. Did you get into that? Didn't didn't talk about it. Because I think it was, it was only recorded a couple of days ago, and it's in my new – I think I'm just giving off – like I didn't give off any anti-Melbourne energy. Oh. I think there was one – Maybe one snide reference to the fact that I hadn't been able to go to 2021 because unlike Melbourne fans, I wouldn't illegally cross a, a, a border. Because look, was, I, that was it. There's a because I think this is an odd parallel, and this is totally my perception. I haven't checked this out, but Tom, who's, who does the show with um, uh, yeah. Broden, I get the feeling that Tom dislikes St Kilda, like because mm-hmm. Broden's messaged me about you and and's like I, I will yeah. clearly hates the demons, and I've always like tried to sort of play it down. But I've been tempted to get in touch you with know, Tom. I did. There was a good three period, <laughs> the, the year period, where I absolutely did hate the Demons. But I just reckon I've heard just Tom a couple of times yeah. say things about St Kilda, like just dismisses. And then they did this right. thing over the summer break on the footy where they, um, it was like clubs that people don't give a shit about or whatever. And like he gave a thumbs up when St Kilda got brought up. And I, I got very offended by that. So Broden or Tom, if you're listening to this, do you have a beef with St Kilda? And what's it all about, man? Because I know you grew up in St Kilda. Like, you should have some affection. Anyway. Maybe that's what it is, though. What it, you know That what he mean? grew up in St Kilda? I'm from there, you oh, know? Yeah. We're back to the Gold Coast surreal. now, so. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, good. that feels really like, you know, like that's some real energy of you grew up in a suburb that had its own team and you've picked a team that is one of the most obscure and irrelevant teams <laughs> in the competition. That that feels like you're really saying something. Very you know? hipster, doesn't it? Like, cause I guess yeah. that makes sense because St Kilda used to be the hipster club, you know, hipster yeah. neighbourhood, hipster club, but now it's all gentrified. So if you're going to be the yeah, ultimate okay, ironic boomers. hipster. That's right. He's yeah. looking at, you know, the St Kilda and he's going, well, I reject that. Yeah. I, I embrace the Gold Coast. Julie? <laughs> uh, Julian McMahon. Do you think this is Nip Tuck, Australian TV royalty? Julian McMahon listens to our son of the former former Australian Prime Minister Minister. Billy McMahon. Yeah, he says uh, Charlie will still throw shade on the Swannies, even though he said he wouldn't. Come on now, Charlie. No, much like Will is willing to be the bigger man and squash his beef with Melbourne. I don't. I feel like I feel like the Swans got brought down back to earth and Swan support. That's all I wanted. Was I felt Swan supporters had not endured enough hardship. And they still haven't really. But I feel like last season I saw Swan supporters being like baffled and confused enough by not being good that it made me go, okay, right, now you understand. It's not all just like Buddy kicks a thousand and you make grand finals and it's all easy. Like you understand but also, I think, sucks. I think we're under, like we're viewing it through the wrong prism too because as someone who has, you know, in the last year or so, yeah, spent the majority of my time back in Sydney, the one thing that I have – re-embraced and re-remembered about this city is that they don't learn lessons. That's not what Sydney's in the business of, you know what I mean? Sydney's a real, oh, well, shit happened, let's never acknowledge it and move on. And I think the fact that their sporting team also hasn't – like there's no point trying to 
teach like humility. someone in Sydney a lesson about humility because yeah. – they won't get it. They won't even understand why it is that you're trying to teach them that, that thing. You're right. It's almost like they just go into hibernation till the next moment of success that they can all jump on the bandwagon yes. of. So, yeah, you're right. Um, couple yeah, of they, brown well, lo- often they just, like, stop caring for a while. <laughs> like, they don't get mad. they just like, oh, well, I guess we won't go to that until we're good again. We'll be back. When you're good, we'll be back. Uh, a couple of Brownlow predictions. Uh, Julie, Julie says Errol Golden for the Brownlow which could easily happen. Uh, This is an interesting one. This is from Patrick, not my team, but LDU, Brownlow and Larky Coleman. That could be pretty good. LDU would have too many votes taken off him by other players in that team, I think would be the problem. But I think that LDU might have an All-Australian year. Well, not necessarily because Sheeds will still play off the halfback, you reckon, unless Wardlaw has an amazing year. LDU is still going to be the main man in the middle. He's their, He'll be the he's main man, midf- but I think that midfielder. when you've when you've got like that depth in the club of young players that are catching yeah. the attention, like you, in a way, you want to be the dominant person at your club, right? Like that's Lockie Neal in a way is just like the reason he wins the Brown though is that he kind of is the best player reliably at the club most weeks. And I think that at North Melbourne, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'd love to see it. I think he's so talented as a player, LDU, and I would love to have see him have one of those years where he just is, manages to stay fit and be able to do it for an entire season. Yeah, I could see it happening. What about Larky winning the Coleman? He's got to get past like a Charlie Cameron, Harry Mackay, Ben King, Max King. Mate, he came Rory third Lobb. or whatever it was <laughs> last year in a team that won two games. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon he could win it for sure. All right. All right. Let's make uh, three three uh, big predictions for, for the year. Mm. Um, Nick Larky wins the brown line. Uh, <laughs> Nick Larky wins oh, the goal. God, that is Sorry. big. That is I mean, it was already prediction. big. but the, like. um, Who's the team outside the eight that, that's going to come from nowhere? Hawthorne. I could see Hawthorne making the finals. That's a big yeah, call. I could see Hawthorne making the finals. Um, you know what? I'm going to say uh, big predictions. And this is – we're just doing big predictions, big predictions. at the moment, right? We'll, like, fe- we'll forget about it in a couple of hours and not even remember when you remind yeah. us. Yeah. And we won't – yes, we don't, don't bother searching us out to tell us we were right or wrong <laughs> about them because we've forgotten we said it. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's mine. Hardwick takes the Gold Coast to the finals in the first year of him coaching there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not a big prediction. It's giving me, I think it's some... pretty big still. Like, I think that, yes, like it, it – like Ross Lyon was able to do it with a half bake St Kilda in his first year. Like, of course he's going to be able to do it. You've got to get a team to leave though, so you can get in, right? And of the teams that were in the finals this year, there was a couple like you know, like who came ninth and tenth as well. You're like, they're pretty close. There's not a lot of space, I think, in the finals at the moment. It doesn't mm. feel like there are teams that are at the end of their eras or whatever and are going to fall down and create some space. So, I actually think that it's. There's a lot of teams that could make the finals, but I think that idea of like which of them, who's going to not make the finals to make some space. You're right. I'm just looking at the ladder. The only teams that you would say definitely couldn't play finals or would be extraordinary would be North and West Coast. Right. Because everyone else you could make a case for. Richmond you could make a case for. Also, just for the record, Charlie, if LDU wins the Brownlow and Nick Larkey wins the Coleman, North are making the finals. <laughs> it would be very weird if those two things happened and they did not make the finals. 
Um, all right. Well, is that enough? I think that's a pretty good. Yeah, that's um, heaps. That's a that's a good primer for the for the preseason. Thank you uh, so much for for listening in. And like Will said, if it's your first uh, time listening to two guys one cup, it's more like that when the season proper starts. We will talk about games at some point. But yeah, you got a you got a vibe for what this show's about. Yeah, and so yeah, thank you for uh, having a listen. If this is your first time having a listen, and uh, thank you to all the people who are regular listeners of the show and have been since uh, 2016 and have stuck with us through all our adventures and moves. It's nice to be back. All our shows in the one place in this feed. So if you like this show, please tell your friends about it, share it around, let people know that it is back in the free feed for, for people to listen to. And um, that's a yeah, good tongue excited. Free feed for people to listen to. That's a hard one. I, well, I mean, I twisted my tongue doing it. And also, <laughs> by the way, I hate to say this because, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to dissuade anyone from getting vaccinated. But um, I went and got my like booster the other day and the doctor said to me she said oh look i just need to warn you that because it's a this updated one i've had a bit of feedback from people that you feel like you've got the flu for a couple of days and in my head because i've never really had any reaction to the previous ones i was like whatever how weak are those people who are giving you this feedback and then turns out really has knocked me on my feet for a couple of days but i like that does not mean you shouldn't get it yes you should still get it but uh, <laughs> yeah to, to, just to but, uh, impact your ability to do a football adjacent podcast potentially yes, exactly <laughs> all right uh play on not 15 yeah ball